You realize that, right? You realize when you tap into that place of worship and you go in and you call it on the name of Jesus, the Bible says at the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. So if you're not using your repellent, then he might just come in and do what he got to do. Like mosquitoes, if you spray yourself down, you can go anywhere you want to go. They can't bite you because you just sprayed yourself down. I sprayed myself down with worship when I'm about to go into war. See, I don't, hey, check this out. It's not, I, I don't need to go to, to the five-mile house to get rid of my problems. I can come right to the house of the Lord, and I can come in here, and I can find refuge, and I can get the answer that I need, and I can get God to back me up and fight my battle for me. Manifested Glory Worship Center. Kingdom-focused, kingdom-minded, kingdom-living. This is the Rama Talk Podcast, and you're listening to Pastor Damon C. Johnson founder and senior pastor of Manifested Glory Worship Center. Amen. Well, this is our fourth week of our series called Push. And we we talked about in this series that there are some things that we have to push through. There's some things we have to push past. And then some of us are like we're on a swing and we've been sitting there stagnant for so long and we just need a little push. And so we've been on this journey of allowing ourselves to push. And so we're going to continue in that same vein today. And today our text is found in 2 Kings chapter 19. So turn your Bible to me to 2 Kings chapter 19. I'm going to start at verse 1 and 3, 1 through 3. Um, we're going to pull some, chap- some verses from chapter 18, and we're going to go all over this, this text here to pull the context together for us so we can fully understand what God is saying in his word for us this Sunday morning. Um, 2 Kings chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. When you get it, please say, I got it. If you're still turning, say, hold up. Amen. 2 Kings is in our Bible. If you get the first Kings, you're real close. Amen. If you get the Chronicles, you've gone too far. Amen. First Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 3. If you do not have your Bibles, we will definitely have it on the monitors for you. Um, I'm going to read this portion out of the NIV version, and it says this. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. Then Amalekam, the palace administrator, and uh, uh, Shebna, uh, the secretary and the leading priests were wearing sackcloth to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos. They said to him, this is what Hezekiah said. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace as when children come to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. Somebody say push. Push. Mm-hmm. We're we going to get in this in a minute. Let me, let me give you the backdrop. Let me give you the context of our text. So what happened was the king of Assyria, which was the enemy of, of Judah and the enemy of, of Israel, had come and he had besieged Jerusalem. And he took the children of Judah captive. And now in chapter 18, this happened eight years prior, he took them into captivity and took them to a place called Halal. Now, the king of Assyria had a supreme commander. He had a chief officer, his field commander, and a very large army that came right to the gate of Jerusalem, right where King Hezekiah and the people of God were. And uh, he, he started hashing out threats to them and, and started talking trash to them. Now, um, this king, uh, this, this guy, this supreme guy from the Assyrian army, his name was Rashika. Um, it, it flew over your head. It, it, you'll get it by the time you get home. Um, mm, Rashika was a brother. You, 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 come on, how many, you, you know, we have those type names. Uh, anyway, anyway, all right, let me, let me keep going. Y'all, y'all still sleep. All right, let me get to my text. So he's standing outside of Jerusalem, and he's saying to them, y'all need to give up. Y'all need to give up. He was speaking. Here's the thing. He was speaking in their language. So let me explain how this whole thing happened. He's out there, and he started talking to them. And now they they were Assyrians, so they spoke in Aramaic. And the children of Israel obviously spoke in Hebrew. So he's talking to them in Hebrew, even though he's Aramaic. And you know, that's what the enemy will do to you sometimes. He'll come speak to you in your language. He'll come into you, and, and especially your, you know, you, church folk, you know, the real deep folk, he'll come talk to you uh, in, in church language, because that's what you understand. 
He'll go, you know, maybe it's not the Lord's will for you to be in this season of your life. And, and, and he'll start using words like season and, 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 and this and that. And you would be like, maybe it's not for me. He'll get you to question, he will get you to question the Lord's will for your life and use the language you use to put doubt in your mind. Now, this is what happens. So, so all of Hezekiah uh, men said, hey, man, why are you talking to us? We understand Aramaic. Speak to us in your language. He said, no, nah, because I want not only you to hear in the King Hezekiah, but I want all the people to hear what I'm saying too. See, he was very strategic in using Hebrew because he understood that the people would understand what he is saying. So let's look at this. Let's, let's go to chapter 18. Look at verses 28 through 32. Listen to what this cat said to them. Chap we're in chapter 18, verse 28 through 32. I'm going to read out the, um, the New Living Translation. Look what it says. Then the chief of staff stood and shouted in Hebrew to all the people on the wall. Listen to this message from the king of Assyria. This is what the king said. Do not listen to Pastor Damon and don't let him deceive you. I'm just reading what the Bible says. Because he says, he will never be able to rescue you from my power. Do not let Pastor Damon fool you in trusting in God by saying the Lord shall surely rescue you. This city will never fall into the hands of the Assyrian of the king, and the king of Assyria. This is what I've been saying, that the enemy won't capture you, but he wants you to believe that you're going to get captured. Okay? Don't listen to Pastor Damon. These are, these are the terms of the king of Assyria. This is his offering. Make peace with me. So, so that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to make peace with him. Stop building God's kingdom and just make peace with the enemy. Because if you make peace with me, then I'll leave you alone. I'll leave your kids alone. I'll leave your finances alone. I'll leave your help alone. Just make peace with me. Don't trust God. Trust me. That's what this, that's what this king is saying to the people, of, the people of God. Let me keep reading what he said to, to them or uh, to us. Um, make peace with me. Listen, he said, open the gates and come out. Now, he told them to open the gates and come out. What is he talking about? They were in a fortified place. They were in a fortified city. They were in a place that was protected by God. He says, come out of that place and come hang out with me. What is God's fortified place in the earth now? The church. He says, come out of that place. Come out. I know, I know you feel protected in there, but come out. Because if you come out, I'm going I'm to I'm give, give you some stuff. Literally say he's going to give you if you come out of the church. He says, each of you will continue to eat from your own grapevines and fig trees and drink out of your own well. Then I will arrange to take you to a land um, like this one. So I'm going to take you from the, this kingdom and put you in another kingdom. And, and listen, it'll be new, a, a land full of grain and new wine, bread and vineyards, olive groves and honey. Then he says, choose life instead of death. That sounds awfully familiar. Because when Adam and Eve was in the garden, he said, did, did God really say you'll die if you eat of this fruit? He said, no, God said, we'll surely die. No, 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 you, you won't die. So now he flipped the script. He told them, he told them, now I want you to choose, you won't die. That's what he told them in Genesis. But now he says, I want you to choose life over death. Because he's trying to tell you that God doesn't have life. All God has is death, but he has life. See, I try, he tried to be God. And so this is, what the, this is what the king of Assyria was saying to the children of Israel, but this is what the enemy is saying to you. Get out of that place. Leave. What you hanging out there for? This, you're going to starve if you stay in there. Come on out. Come out of that place of safety. And, and if you come out, I'm going to take care of you. I got you. What you like? You like honey? I got honey. You like olive groves? I got olive groves. What did, what did, what did Satan tell Jesus? When he had him in the wilderness, he said, look, I got all of this. All this could be yours if you would just give me some worship. All this would be yours if you, just, if you just bowed down to me. And this is what the king of Assyria is saying to the children of Israel. This is what the enemy is saying to the church today. Come out. Come out and hang out with me. And he start, not only did he start talking trash about uh, Hezekiah, he started talking trash about Hezekiah's God. He told Hezekiah, 
what do you what makes you think your God is any different than these other gods I've defeated See, you gotta understand that the Assyrian army was a rough army. Them, them cats was going through the land and conquering other lands and kings. And when they would conquer those lands, they would take the gods. And of course, their gods were idols, little statues they made themselves. And they would throw them into the fire. And so they, the Assyrian army thought that the God of Israel was just like these other gods, little idols I could take and throw in the fire and I could conquer them. He said, what makes you think that your God is any better than Buddha or better than, than Muhammad? What makes you think your God is any better than them? And here's the thing, the children of Israel just sat back there and they heard everything the enemy said, but I love them because they didn't say a word. You know why? Because Hezekiah, their leader said, you better not answer that. You better not even entertain what he's saying because what he's saying is not true. And I thank God, but here's the thing, I do know that people are people. And you know, they may have not said nothing, they were sitting there like, hmm. I don't know, pastor. Uh, I know you said that God is real and that, that this is our season of rain, but I ain't, I ain't felt a drop of it yet. So, so, so the question is, who are you going to believe? Because you got two seeds, the word of God and the seed that the enemy's trying to plant in your, in your soul. And you're going to feed one of them and one of them going to grow. So which one are you going to believe, the word of God or the enemy just said? And most of us say, you know what? God, I know you're real, but his army's out there. Where are you? They're surrounding us, but where are you? So, so I, he, might, he might have some truth to that thing. And so I love Hezekiah because Hezekiah was a righteous man. Hezekiah was a righteous man. Look, 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 at, look at verse, we're in chapter 18. Look at verse 5 through 8. Let's talk about who Hezekiah was. Look what it says. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, there, there was no man, listen what it says about him, there was no man like him in all the, in, through all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord that was given to Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From the watchtower to the fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and his territory. Hezekiah believed God. Hezekiah was the leader, and he says, I believe God, so guess what? I need y'all to believe God with me. Amen. And, and that's what I'm saying to you, church. I believe God. I just need you to believe God with me. Amen. Y'all all, all right this morning? Y'all real quiet. Listen, um, I need y'all to say amen if you believe what I believe, if I'm saying. Amen. I told you this before. We know what amen means. Let it be so. So if I'm not saying anything to confirm you, be quiet. But if you hear something confirming your spirit, say amen. amen. Y'all all right this Episcopalian church? Wake up. Amen. Make it hard for a brother. Go and talk to me, Pastor. You know, sit back in your chair. Amen. But now, now y'all lucky I'm not like some of the pastors that y'all say your whole sermon with me. Look at your neighbor three times and say, the Lord is good and his mercy endure forever. I can do that the whole sermon to keep you talking now. Look at 12 people. Flat, slap hands with 12 people and say this. I can do that the whole service. Amen. Look at, look at your neighbor and say, wake up. <laughs> Amen. All right, there we go. Now I feel better. All right, now let's get in this word. Now, 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 Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a righteous man. The Bible says there was nobody like him, no matter before him or after him. However, he was still under attack of the enemy. So don't think because you serve God that you won't be under attack. Or don't think because you're in God's will that because you're in God's will, now God is punishing you. No, understand how the thing works. You don't get under attack until you become a threat to Satan's kingdom. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? So if, if you're not under attack, then that's the problem. That means you, you ain't no threat to him. But the minute you come under attack, understand that means, uh-oh, I'm making the devil mad. Let me turn up my, my thing so he can get even madder. Because you understand, the Bible says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And so I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what he says. He ain't better than my God. 
All right, so, so I like what Hezekiah said. A- after he got all these threats from Rashik and, a- and after he then put all this stuff out there about God and, and King Hezekiah, look at chapter 19, verse 1. This is, this is Hezekiah's response to all of that, that, that talk that he put out there. Then King Hezekiah heard this. He tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went into the temple of the Lord. He went into the house of God. Where do you go when, when, when your enemy threatens you? Where do you go when, 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 when your back is against the wall, the five-mile house? Melbus? I could keep running them down. See, a lot of times when, when we come under attack, we say, oh, you know what, I, I, I need to just let my hair down a little bit because I, I got so much going on. Girl, let's go out. <laughs> and you go out, you turn all the way up. You drink all you can drink. You might smoke all you can smoke. Amen. Let's just be real. We're in church. We can keep it real. Amen, you, you, you do all you can do, and when you wake up the next morning, ain't nothing changed. If anything, it's worse. Now you got a hangover. Now you broke and you're spending all your money in the club. <laughs> now you're worse off than what you were. But I love Hezekiah because when, when, when he came under attack and when things are rough for him, he went to the house of the Lord. Yeah. It's funny in today's time, that's the last place we go when we get in trouble. We don't go to church. We run from church when, we in, when our back is the wall. Where Hezekiah, that's the first place he went. And I love Hezekiah because he took off his royal garments and put on sackcloth. In other words, he didn't care what nobody thought. He needed a breakthrough from God. Yeah. See, that's why I love praise and worship. You know, I've been just probably like, man, they, just, they sing a lot of songs around here. We're a worship center. Yeah. <laughs> we sing a lot of music around because we, we love worship because we understand that there's power in our praise and our worship. And, and, and that's, that, that, that's what I do. I run into a place of worship when the enemy is trying to get me. I say, oh, he can't bother me here. Because you know why? He can't handle hearing me worship God. It makes him mad because he realized I took his job, I took his place, and when we start singing praises of God, he gets offended. And the Bible says that when we in, God happens the praise of his people, right? So God comes in the midst of our praise. So when he comes in, Satan got to go because he can't even stand the presence of God. So do you realize that your worship is a, a, a Satan repellent? You realize that, right? You realize when you tap into that place of worship and you go in and you're calling on the name of Jesus, the Bible said at the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. So if you're not using your repellent, then he might just come in and do what he got to do. Like mosquitoes, if you spray yourself down, you can go anywhere you want to go. They can't bite you because you just sprayed yourself down. I sprayed myself down with worship when I'm about to go into war. See, I don't, hey, check this out. It's not, I, I don't need to go to, to the five-mile house to get rid of my problems. I can come right to the house of the Lord. And I can come in here and I can find refuge. And I can get the answer that I need. And I can get God to back me up and fight my battle for me. So, 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 so anyway, so, so the king, he went in there. He says, I don't care what I look like. He put on sackcloth. The king. Okay? And so I don't want you to worry about what you look like in worship. See, that's our problem. A lot of times we're so concerned how we look. And so because we're so concerned with that, we don't want to raise our hands, or we don't even want to weep before the Lord. But I don't, listen, I don't care what I look like. That pastor looked crazy, absolutely. Because, see, trouble will make you do that. See, see, see when, when, you, when you're back, see, trouble will make you get ugly. Amen. I, I, I've been in a place of worship where I said, God, I don't care. It's not everywhere, okay? It, it's fine. Because I was here to get my breakthrough. And I don't care what I look like. And brothers, let me tell you, I want to encourage you, turn up your worship, men. Yeah. See, it's easier for a woman to worship because women are, are built that way. They're built where they, 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 they handle their emotions a lot better than us. Uh, but it's hard for men to worship. And trust me, brothers, I'm a real man. I told y'all before, I'm a gamma man. Hey, 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 listen, I'm the, I think I'm the realest man in this room. A real man. Ain't nothing soft about me believe that but when I get before God and I realize who he is and then I realize who I am it forces me to a place of worship I don't care what I look like I'll, I'll, whatever because I, I, it's all about him 
and it's not about me. And that's what King Hezekiah did. He said, I don't care what I look like. I need a breakthrough from God. Here's another tactic that the enemy will try to use. He will try to get you to compromise. We talked about that last Sunday. You know what compromise means? To cheat on my promise. Cheat on my promise means I compromised. And so he'll try to get you to compromise and to cheat on your promise. And so this is what Hezekiah did. And, and you know, I guess Hezekiah was trying to look out for his people. He offered the enemy something he should have never offered. He said, I'll give you some money if you leave me alone. How many of you throw money at your enemy? Uh-huh. Y'all quiet in this Presbyterian church. Y'all all right? Throw money to feed this thing, thinking that it's going to go away, and it ain't going nowhere. Rashika took all Hezekiah's money and still was there to kill him. Let's read it. Let's read it. See, I don't think I'm making this stuff up. So I'll give you some money. Look at chapter 18, verse 13 through 16. Look what he said here. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, um, Shirarib, whatever his name is, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of, of Judah and captured them. So Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria in Lakesh. He said, I have done wrong. Withdraw from me, and I will pay you whatever you demand. Right? That's his mistake. He said, I'm going to give you whatever you want if you just leave me alone. The king of Assyria exacted um, from Hezekiah, king, the king of Judah. Listen what he did. 300 uh, talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver he found in the temple of the, house, of the Lord and all the treasuries of the royal palace. At this time, Hezekiah, the king of Judah, stripped off the gold, which was covering the doors and the doorposts of the temple of the Lord, and gave it to the king of Assyria. He cleaned house, gave him all the money he had in the bank and all the, all the money out of the church. Wow. Let me tell you what that is in, in today's money. In gold, he gave him $32,400,000 and in silver, $3,228,000 for a total of $35,628,000. All because he threatened you? You clean out your bank account over some threats? I wish I would. You want to come take this, Doc? You want to, you got to come take it from me. I, I am not, I am not doing that. But, 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 but here's the thing I love, I love about him because Hezekiah's like, you know what? I still got a God. So I'm going to give you that, but I'm going to depend on my God. So, 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 but here's the thing. Rashika took all that money and didn't go nowhere. He's still at the gate. You understand the enemy comes to do three things. Kill. So he's not going to stop until he's done those things. And so, and so he's like, you know what? I got all your money, but I ain't going nowhere. But see, that's the thing. The kingdom will suffer violence. The kingdom will suffer violence. So we, we got to understand that, but we also say we got a God on our side. Hezekiah went in the temple and he began to pray. Notice he didn't wait till Sunday to go to pray. Listen, it's a problem if your only prayer life is when you come to the prayer line. You got to develop a prayer life so you can talk to your God for yourself. See, we, we're, you, you really understand that you could go to God without me. You know that, right? Okay. I was raised, and, and you know, I know it's been a wonderful time. You know, the Pope's been here in our country, and everybody's turned up. I said, I wish people would get excited about Jesus like that. People are turning up. Pope's a great guy, great guy, doing some great things around the world. But he's a man. Yes. He's not a God. Yes. And, and, and so you got to be careful in who you give your praise to. Great guy. Remember I told you I was raised in Catholicism. Nobody, if I don't know nothing, I know the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. Because let me, let me just say something here. Can I just give y'all a quick little thing real quick? And I'll, I'll get back to the text. All right. So, so you realize that the Catholic, the word Catholic means universal. So when you say the Catholic church, it means the universal church. We all are part of the Catholic church, but we're not a part of the Roman Catholic church. Church, again, the word Catholic means universal. That means the body of Christ. Okay. But the Roman Catholic church is what the Pope is overseeing. Now, now, you know, and it, it burns me up when I see people of God beating up pastors but, but giving praise to the Pope 
I've seen so many, oh, the, 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 post, the Pope riding around in the fiat. Um, sir, you realize he's the richest, the richest preacher in the world? The Catholic Church is the richest church in the world. He lives in the Vatican. He has his own city. You're talking about a mansion. This man got a city with his own bank, banking system. He ain't living in no townhouse. That man got a city. And he might be in a fiat here, but understand he rolling big. He took out a gold chalices. Made a pure gold. Of course he got to come here and be humble. He can't, he can't roll up in here in a Bentley. People will talk trash about him. So he got to be, he got, you know. But anyway, he go home, he balling. Don't ever think that he ain't living large. And he maybe he should. I'm not hating on him because I believe if a man soweth, so shall he reap. But see, here's the problem. So then people will start talking all the trash about the pastor. And people think that pastors, that, that they live out the collection plate. I don't. You realize that, right? Even, even these big people like, like T.D. Jake, that man draws $1 a year from his church because he's independently wealthy. He don't need the church money. This man got books, movies. He don't need no money from the church. But when he wrote in his Bentley, they're, oh, look, 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 that's where my tithe's going. That man is a millionaire outside the church. We got, we got to stop dividing church and beating, out, beating up these, these preachers who are trying to do right. I ain't hating on the Pope. Let him do his thing. But he ain't God. They call him the Holy Father. That's his title, Holy Father. I got one Holy Father, and he lives in heaven. I don't know how I got on this thing, but don't, don't make me mad. Because these things are designed to divide the church. The Bible says that a house divided cannot stand. And so if I keep dividing the body of Christ, the, the, the finger mad at the pinky, and the pinky mad at the, the index finger, then we'll never get anything done for the kingdom. So that these things are built and designed to bring division amongst us so we don't stay on one accord. I ain't hating on the Pope. Let him do his thing. If you want to go to Philly and, and, and New York, whatever you're going, let him do his thing. But keep things in perspective. He's a man. He's a leader of, of, of a church, probably the most influential church in the world, the Roman Catholic Church. However, he's still a man. And if he carries his own bag, great for him. But understand, he got, he got a whole team of cardinals that is at his beck and call. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, let me get back to my text. So, so he didn't wait till Sunday to, 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 to go to church and to pray. And then Hezekiah sent a message to the prophet at the time who was Isaiah. He, so you don't realize sometimes when you get in a battle, you need a little backup. You make sure you have somebody that, that you can call that's going to pray for you and pray with you. Understand some things, I told you this last week, some things you can't get by yourself. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, or sometimes where two agree on anything, then it shall be done. So sometimes you got to call your prayer bar and say, hey, look, I'm, I need you to believe God with me on this thing. And if you ain't got one, just I, tell me, I'll believe with you. I'll be your prayer partner. Because I believe that there's power in unity. So when we could come together on one accord, and then I told you this last week, one could put a thousand to fight, but two could put ten thousand to fight. Ten times as much. Yeah. And so, so that's why we got to come together. So he called on uh, 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 um, Isaiah, Isaiah to help him out. And I love this tag team because Hezekiah names mean the Lord is strengthened, and Isaiah names mean Jehovah will save. Wow. So you put the two of them together, then you got yourself a tag team. So these cats got together and they said, look, man, we're, we're not going to let these threats from this Assyrian, this enemy, to, to destroy us, okay? So, so, look, so look what Isaiah said to him. Look at verse 3. Um, no, this is what Hezekiah told Isaiah. Verse 3 of chapter 19. He says, and then he said to him, thus says Hezekiah, and this is the main part of my text. This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy. For the children have come to birth, but there is no strength to bring them forth. You didn't fought all this time to bring forth this thing that God has planted in you, this thing that you put the birth on the earth, this newness that God is bringing out. And because you didn't fought all these fights, you've been dealt with all this stuff, now you have no strength to push. What, it, what, why wait always? You didn't carry this thing for years. You didn't carry it for nine months, and now it's time to push and bring forth the thing you're supposed to bring forth, and you don't have no strength left to bring it forth. 
It's amazing how he's called this a day of rebuke or, or a day of disgrace because we've got all the way to this point and now we've lost all our strength. No strength to push. And it's now is the time to push. Now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time. You're right there at the brink of your breakthrough. Don't quit now. Too many people are right there, and that's the enemy's plan. His plan is to get you so weak and so depleted that, that you have no strength to push. you right there. you on the table, nine centimeters dilated, and you don't have the strength to push. Everybody's there holding your hand, and you can't push because you have no more strength. And when you don't push, the man of God said that's a day, that's a disgrace and a day of rebuke when you're right there and you can't push. See, you know, but here's the thing I learned. I don't know how y'all feel, but I think babies are a good thing. They are a blessing from God. Some of y'all look at y'all kids and say, I don't know if this one is a blessing. I don't know about that one. Maybe this one is, but this one right here, I don't know. All children are a blessing from God. Yes. Amen. Amen. Whether they're bad or not, <laughs> off the chain, you know, they still are a blessing from God. But here's the thing that I love. Sometimes what is good to God may not feel good for you. Yes. Yes. See, you're about to bring forth this life into the earth. And, it, and God said, yes, this is a good thing. You say, but God, it hurts. Now, I thank God. I truly bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, that I've never had to experience childbirth. Bless God. He is wonderful and merciful unto us. God knew exactly what he was doing when he picked a woman to have this responsibility. Because if men had to bear children, it'd be nobody in here. I swear to you, if I had to go through that, I listen, I don't even like taking needles, much less, Lord help. I watched both of my children be born. I'm saying to myself, how is she doing that? How she had the strength to endure that? I thought, I thank God. God, thank you. It wasn't me. You know that song, thank you, Lord. It could have been me out there on that table. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. But God knew. He knew who could handle it. And so, and so but again, so what is good to God may not feel good to you. So let me give you a couple examples. You got laid off. God said, that's good. He said, but God, I don't feel good. He said, don't worry about it because I got something better for you. See, see, if I never laid you off, you would have stayed on that job for 50 years and never moved nowhere. So I got to get you off of this one to get you on that one. So sometimes I got to lay you off. God said, that's good. You said, but God, it don't feel good. He said, keep pushing. Keep pushing. God, God my car broke down. Had to happen to me. Don't, don't, don't worry about it, son. I got a better one for you. I, I, I know you crying because it was almost paid off. But I got one better for you. <laughs> you got five more years to pay for it. But it's gonna be all right, son. Cause I'm gonna give you all the provision you need to get it done. Again, what God says is good may not feel good. Your so-called friend stabbed you in the back. God says good. But God don't feel good. He said, don't worry about it. I need to close that circle from you anyway. They're only there for what you have for them. They don't care about you. They only want you to care about what you can do for them. So I'm going to close these doors and give you a whole new set of friends, a whole new circle around you that's going to love you just for who you are. So don't worry about them leaving. Let them leave. Again, whatever, whatever God says is good may not feel good. He or she may have broke your heart. God said, good. I ain't designed them for you in the first place. That's who you chose for yourself. That's not who I wanted you to be with. See, you, you want the thug, and that's not who I want you to be with. You want old girl, you know, old girl. She ain't wife material. You can't bring her to church. So God says, good, they walked out, it hurts you, good. 
I'm going to use that so you can be up so the next person will come and heal you and bring you right back where you need to be and love you the way you need to be loved. So again, everything that God says good may not feel good. Same thing about giving birth. God says it's good. But, and I, I can't speak from experience. I only speak for what I saw. It don't look like it feels good. It don't look like it feels good giving birth. But the reward after the, the, the pushing and after all the labor is this blessing from God. And I want you to look at it through that lens that, yeah, it was rough going through labor. It was rough. It's called labor for a reason. It, it, it was rough going through that, but it was for a greater purpose. And when I bring forth this thing, you know, what, God, when you were born, God planted things inside you. Everybody in this room, male, female, young, old, everybody has things inside us we need to birth into the earth. And, and you know, can I get on another sidebar thing for y'all? All right. So, you know, I know a couple of preachers on, on Facebook, and they always saying that, 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 that we are feminizing the church and that, that well, you know, you, you're preaching about men giving birth, that's making a man feminine. I'm like, yeah, you are an idiot. <laughs> you realize that the, the, the woman came out of the man and that God, God pulled the woman out of a man. And so when you talk about man, you talk about mankind, fool. You talk about the churches, you talk about, oh, you're making a man feminine. I'm um, sorry, we're called the bride of Christ. The church is his bride. Duh. Ain't nobody making anything different than what it is. It is what it is. We are married to the Lord. He's the bridegroom. We are his bride. It don't make you sweet. That just means you just a part of his, his bride. That means you have everything that belongs to him belongs to you. And if you ain't good with that, I'm cool. I'll take your portion. Amen. Anyway, all right. So, 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 so understand, understand, church, that, 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 that we, we have to, if we're, we're now in the birthing position, it's time for us to start pushing. Don't tell me you're tired right now. You ain't, ain't time to be tired. It's time to push. Pastor, you'll know what I've been through. I don't care what you've been through. It's time to give birth. See, see, look, look, you can have a bad day, but when you're on that table, the baby's like, ready or not, <laughs> you got two choices. You gonna ever gonna push, or we gotta go in this operating room. Give you a C-section. Either way, it's coming out. So you either gonna push it out, or you gonna get cut it out. Am I making this up? Now again, I've never had a baby, but I've seen it done. Amen. So let me give you the three stages of labor, then I'm gonna get out your way. The three stages of labor, and this, and this is where most of you are. So I might, I might tap on where you are, and if I am, just give me an amen so I know I'm, I'm in the right room, all right? All right, the beginning stages of labor, the, this is what happens. The cervix begins to evase. That means things are thinning out. Mm-hmm. And while things are thin, thinning out, she also is dilating. Mm -hmm. Now, you can feel something happening. You just don't know when it's going to happen. See, this is the beginning stage of labor. Things are getting thinner because something is coming. See, some of you are in the thinning stage right now. Your friends are getting thin. Your finances are getting thin. Uh, 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 the things around you are thinning out, but it's okay. Because while things are thinning out, things are also opening up. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While things are up, and you are preparing to bring forth something greater than what's been thinning out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, things thin out, but things are also coming. So, so, so while things are thinning out, things are opening up. So just don't, don't stress about the thinning. It's a part of the process of giving birth. Somebody say push. push. That's the early stage. Then the second stage is called the active stage of labor. This is when the contractions come. Contractions of pain. Mm -hmm. And so after things thin out, then here comes the pain. And normally contractions are four to six minutes apart, and they normally last 40 to 60 seconds at this stage. And so that's how it happens. So all of a sudden things are cool, then here comes this pain. And then the pain is there for a small part, and then it goes away. And then, here, then, then you're good for another couple of days, and then here comes more pain. Or you're good for this month, and then the next month here comes pain. It lasts for a little bit of time, and it goes away. But then here comes more pain. But don't stress, it's all a part of the process. Because even while that's happening, things are still opening up. 
And matter of fact, they're more open than they were a few minutes ago. You just got to hold on because you're about to get ready. Now, throughout this whole process, the doctor was not really paying you no mind because the doctor just had the nurses in there and, and then they, they just telling you, you know, keep breathing. You know, and then and you, somebody go give you some ice chips and you come back and then you, 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 you're eating the ice chips and, you, and you're sitting there and you're squeezing hands and you, you're going through your pain. But, but it's okay because it's, it's, it's all about to come to a, a head because you're about to give birth. Somebody say second stage. See, the second stage is active labor. But then there's the third stage, and that's advanced labor. This is the transition. This is when the pain gets worse. Some of you are right there right now where the the, the pain is hard. And you're asking God, God, give me a spiritual epidural right now because I can't take no more of this. God, I, I, I need something to ease the pain. Because at this stage, the pain is, those contractions are closer together and they last a whole lot longer. And so at one time where it was just hurting just a little bit for a short season, now it's hurting a whole lot longer for a longer season. And some of y'all are right there in that stage. But here is the thing I love because now the doctor comes into the room. He talks to the nurse. The nurse says, they're ready to push. They're, they're nine centimeters. It's time to bring this thing. So the doctor says, all right, are you ready? At first, the doctor was telling you to breathe. You got to breathe through your pain. That's what y'all need to do. Some of y'all just need to take a breath. It's going to be all right. And I trust God. This hurts, but God says it's good. Even Paul said it was good that I was afflicted. And, and, and so uh, it's all right, God, because I'm, I'm about to push, I'm about to give forth birth. Now the doctor's on the scene, and now his command is different. His command is not, oh, take a rest and chill out. No, his command is, it's time to push. Yes. 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 They may have to reposition you. You got to reposition yourself. Get yourself ready. Right. <laughs> Are you ready? Say, so, yeah, I'm ready. All right. They, they're looking at the monitor. They're going to say, all right, when I tell you, the push, I need you to push. So you're getting on, you're getting in, you're anticipating. He's looking at that thing and he sees something go. He's all right now, push. And you, and you push. And you see, you say, I don't see nothing. Don't worry, we're going to push again. You're sitting there. He says, push. And you push. Then you see the crowning. That's when you get excited. Uh oh, the process has begun. Y'all, y'all still, y'all all right, right? I, don't know, I ain't trying to gross nobody out in church. We all right. The kids in children's church, we all right. And then all of a sudden, you do this, I need you to push hard the next time. You, you, you're pushing, but it's not hard enough. I know you're tired. I know, because see, here's the thing. For some of y'all, your labor's been a long period. See, some of y'all, some of y'all, especially, mm, especially when it's your first time birthing something. That's a long period. I mean, my wife had honor, man. She, I was like, Shorty, come on now. When you t- over 24 hours in labor. And I saw her pain. I was like, man, I know you're in pain. Ain't nothing I can do but giggle you some ice chips, maybe, you know. <laughs> then she started blaming me. It was my fault. Like, I, like I, I'm in pain. I'm like, come on. Just chill out. But, 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 but it's time to give birth. Church, Ezekiel, I mean, Ezekiel, Lord, Hezekiah said that if you're, if you're so tired to push, then it's a, a disgrace. It's not time to give up. It's time to, to strap in and all the strength you got left, push. So, so let, let's see what happened because, of course, I thought, you know what push means. Pray until something happens. He went and he prayed. Let, let's look at this real quick. Look what Hezekiah did. As they received this letter, this, I'm in 2 Kings 19, verse 14. Hezekiah got this letter from this Assyrian. He heard all this junk from this Assyrian. Look what he did. I'm in verse 14 of chapter 19. After Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and he read it, he went up to the Lord's temple and spread it out before the Lord. He took that letter and said, look, look what they said, God. That's what the enemy is trying to say. He spread out before the Lord. And look what it says. And Hezekiah, what? Pray this prayer. 
before the Lord. O Lord God of Israel, you have enthroned between the mighty cherubim. You alone, God, of all, the God of all kingdoms of the earth, you alone created the heavens and the earth. Jump down to verse 19. This is what he said. Now, O Lord our God, rescue us from his power. Then all the kingdoms in the earth will know that you alone, O Lord, are God. So after he told God how bad he was, now God, I want you to prove to these suckers that you are God. They don't know who you are, God. So I want you to prove to them who you are. Jump down to verse 32. This is the Lord's response to Hezekiah's prayer. And this is what the Lord said about the king of Assyria, the one who'd been talking trash about him, the one who'd been trying to threaten his children. Literally said, his armies will not enter Jerusalem. They will not even shoot an arrow at it. They will not march outside of its gates with their shields, nor build banks in the earth against its walls. The king will return to his own country by the same road which he came, and he will not enter the city, says the Lord. For my own honor and for my own sake, for my servant David, I will defend this city and protect it. Church, you ain't got to worry about it. God's going to fight for you. All he needs to do is to push. He's going to fight. You got to push. And so he says, I got you. You ain't got to worry about that. I got you. So let's get to the end of the story. Look at verse 35 and 37 to 37. Here it is. And it came to pass on a certain night that the angel of the Lord, one angel now, the angel of the Lord, went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. Now, God didn't have to send no army. He sent one angel. He ain't sent legions of angels. One angel killed 185 men, 185,000 men, I'm sorry. One angel. This is what it says. And the people arose in the morning, and there were corpses everywhere, all dead. Then Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, departed and went away. He returned home and remained in Nineveh. Now it came to pass, as he was worshiping, worshiping in the temple of uh, Nirash, his god, Nisroch, his god, and his son, I'm going to get his name right, uh, uh, Ashrir Haden. There, there you go, him. That's right, a drama, a drama lent. And him, his other brother, they, they struck him down with a sword. So, so let me tell you what happened. The king of Assyria, he went home. He and, he and his church, with his idol God, and his own two sons came and killed him with a sword. Killed by his own blood. And they escaped and went to the land of Arafat. Then Aria Haden, Adon, his son reigned in his place. So, 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 so all Hezekiah did was said, God, you're real. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep praying till something happens. And so, because I'm going to pray until something happens, I believe that you could do exceedingly abundantly above all I can even ask to think. Because the Bible says in, in Corinthians that eyes have not seen, nor have ears heard, nor have it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for you. So, so church, you ain't got to worry about it, fighting your battle. God says, I'm going to fight for you. All I need you to do is get to the birthing position and push. Now, many of us are in that ninth trimester. You're there. You, some of you are in the beginning stage of, of, of labor where things are thinning out. But as things are thinning out, things are opening up. What I said? The ninth? Oh, y'all not elephants. I'm sorry. You know, the third trimester, the ninth month, y'all knew what I meant. See, I told you I ain't never had no baby. Amen. Y'all not elephants, so you're not carrying babies like three years and them like that. But, but some of y'all have been in labor for a long time. 
And some of you are in the beginning stage where, like I said, things are thinning out, but don't worry about things now. It's okay. Some of you are in the second stage where things are, are becoming painful, and, and the, the, pain, the pain is sporadic. It comes and it goes, and it comes and it goes, but hang in there because it's almost time. And you got to just keep breathing and don't use all your energy or, or crying because you got to push in a minute. But some of you are in advanced labor. You are ready to push. And so I want you to get into the burden position, and I want you to use all the strength you have, and you got to say, all right, when, when, you get it, when you hit a command to push, I want you to push with all that you have. Now, here's the, here's the, yucky, the yucky part about pushing. Sometimes, whatever inside you have to come out first before the blessing comes out. And sometimes when you push, waste comes out first. I'm trying to clean it up because we're in church. But understand that you have to get rid of some waste in order for the blessing to have to come forth. And so when you begin to push, don't be surprised. If the waste comes first, <laughs> let it go. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. They'll clean you up and get you ready to bring forth the blessing. All right, now all the waste is gone. Here we come, God. And now it's time to push and to bring forth what God have intended for you to birth from your birth. Everybody in here is pregnant with something, even you brothers. There's purpose inside of you that needs to come out. And, and, and in order for it to come out, you can't sit there and go, God, it's too hard. I, I can't do this no more. God, I quit. God said, listen, it's not time to quit. It's time to use all the strength that you have, and it's time to push. So who's ready to push? Amen. Who's ready to push? Amen. Well, if you're ready to push, come on, stand up to your feet. Here, here that's what I want you to do. Part of pushing is pushing past some things. So, so I, I, just, 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 just for, just, 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 and on count of three, I want you to give a Lord just a, a shout of praise, like never before, because that's a part of our push. We got to push past some things. We got to push through some things. So on three, I just want you to give God some glory. Is that all right? One, two, three. Now push. Come on. Come on, let's push. Come on, church, let's push. This is it, push. Come on, push. Hallelujah. Push. Woo. Push. 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 Thank you for listening to the Rhema Talk Podcast. To hear this sermon again or get caught up with past sermons, you can download the Mixcloud app and search Manifested Glory. Or you can search for MGWC's Rhema Talk Podcast in the iTunes store on your iPhone or iPad. Also, don't forget to like MGWC on Facebook and go to MGWC.net to get caught up on all the latest church announcements. Thank you for listening to the Rhema Talk Podcast, and we hope you will join us next time.